our um, so our, our area we're working um, is we're the we're actually the tenth most depressed county in the United States of America economically and emotionally. I don't know how they measure emotionally, but anyhow, we're we're bad off. We're, we were number thirteen. We've moved to ten. We continue to move. Our goal is to get to number one. I, you know. Does it have anything to do with the name? It might. I don't know. We're a little ashamed, I guess. But we're we're a we're a fairly rural area. We're you know it's not like a but it's old mill town. So we would have been primarily cotton industry, clothing industry. But 20, 30 years ago, all that stuff disappeared. Nothing has come back since. Um, it, we are in the heart of the Bible Belt, so that, that's a bit of an oddity. It's actually one of our, sometimes a bit of a hindrance at times. Um, but at the time when all of those folks sort of lost the jobs in the 70s, 80s, there was a sort of an exodus for a lot of folks out of the church in our area, out of discouragement, I don't know, whatever. I also think it was almost a little bit close to when they actually did the, um, most of the areas are mill towns. It was almost colonialization versus church planning. So the mill would come in, and when the mill came in, they actually established the church. The mill owner established who the leader of the church was. And it's a very, so those churches are, they're actually some of the most dead churches in our area, but I really think it's because it looks more like colonialization. So I say that to say, just to let you know that we, we've had a whole generation of folks who left the church in the 70s and 80s who now have raised kids in our area who are unchurched, although there's a church on every corner. So it's, it's a bit of an oddity in, in those areas, in those mill towns. So as we talked, uh, I was sharing this with Neil, and Neil was getting a vision and really pushing me to get involved in doing this back in America, a friend of mine, and then combination coming here sort of spurred me on. But... So we went to the local police and we asked them where are the, the highest crime rates in uh, our county. And they gave us the six areas. And then so we began working, and then I'm going to share the sort of three of the streams we're working with. Um, there were three areas that came up. One was Henrietta, other was called Alexander Mills, the other was called Spindale. And so there were three of us who happened to be interested in all those areas. So Neil took on, um, this is Neil's work, and this is in Alexander Mills, this is the second highest crime rate. Uh, this is Spindale, this is the third highest crime rate in our county, and then this is the area my family's working in, it's the highest crime rate in the county. And so the reason we chose that is because anytime we went into Asia, we went and looked for the greatest barriers, and usually the greatest barriers, the greatest obstacles were the greatest opportunities for God to work. So we decided we would just start there. The other thing is none of us knew... We, we, uh, my family, none of us knew lost people. We're all Yankees and moved down to the south, and so we don't know anybody. We have no Oikos, and so we needed some place to start. The other thing is my kid's school is right next to this area. So I, had a little, I have a little vested interest there to, um, I'd love to see God do something right around my kid's school. So uh, we got a great school, and we got a difficult area. Um, so as we began... Neil, as I would teach, and I would be going through the same thing we taught last year, Neil would keep telling me, you're too complicated. You need to make it simpler. You need to make it simpler. I'm going, Neil, I, I don't know how to get it simpler, bro. Asians could figure this out, and you Americans can't. What's the matter with y'all? <laughs> and, 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 and we really did. We had to really make it simpler and simpler and simpler. But I, probably one of the greatest breakthroughs we had, we were doing a group at Bojangles one morning doing our Bible study, and I was training Christians how to reach lost people, and we were using that word lost people. And 
we, we were just sitting around there chatting, and um, the, the, we, Neil was getting frustrated. So Neil's banging on the table that morning in Bojangles. Why are you not witnessing? What's the matter with you guys? Because we'd been in it quite a while. And he's, he's in the accountability section, and he's hammering them. And one guy stood up, and he said, I don't, I don't know any lost people. And then another guy stood up and said, I don't know any lost people. Another guy stood up. Well, in the South, there's this thing. Well, when Bubba was seven years old, he walked the aisle and he was baptized and he was saved. And he's lived like the devil for 40 years, but I know he's saved. So a great change for us is we, we threw out the word lostness. We began to use um, in this book the word far from God. Well, that became, now all of a sudden Bubba, Bubba is far from God. And so now people began, oh yeah, now I know people far from God. So that was a major, that was a hurdle that we overcame that was huge because that just sort of all of a sudden exploded us to allow to find people we could start sharing with, at least in our oikos. Um, so that was one huge breakthrough. The other thing they fussed and complained about is we didn't have everything in one single book. And so now it's in one single book. Um, I'll just walk you through. This, um, Suzanne, will look a lot more like what you're talking about. We, all of us come out of a church background, but we're not necessarily um, tied to the church and what we're doing. We have, we have a good bit of freedom in what we're doing. So we, we just straight up went out and began to prayer walk. So we began training at my house, how to share your story, how to share Jesus' story. We began in the discipleship part of, you know, repent and believe and really trying to understand the gospel, and then we just began prayer walking. So we'd meet on Monday mornings, we'd get down a prayer walk, and we would ask the question, if God could do a miracle today, what would it be? And that began to be our just sort of entree to get into homes. And we were amazed, because we'd have people, um, and it's a tough mill town, a lot of fear. I've never seen so many pit bull dogs in my life. They're just all over the place, because people live in fear, you know? So they got their house fenced up, and pit bulls, and... There's a lot of crime in the area, a lot of meth labs, a lot of drugs, a lot of, you know, anything you can think of. How many on your team? It, this here is uh, four families. So Kevin and Danielle, my wife says five. Our family, mom and dad, Kevin and Daniel, Tommy and Claudia. Okay, Casey and Nastasha. Casey and Nastasha have moved. That's what's messed me up. Okay, yeah, we had five actually when we started. Uh, Casey and Nastasha have moved to San Francisco, and they are working, at, they started prayer walking in San Francisco to start C4 Church there, okay? So all of us started from scratch, and, but the one thing that everybody really bought into was the House of Peace concept. That was the other sort of big thing that was a, a big, um, people had a lot of anxiety about knocking on a door, so we don't knock on doors, I'll be honest with you. We, we, we just prayer walk. And we wait for God to open up a door. And, and usually somebody will come out and invite us into a home. Uh, we'll see a need. And maybe we'll help somebody do something. Um, but we've, we've had no problem getting in homes. So our, everybody in this group right here is completely confident that God will put them in a home. When we first began, we rang our hands saying, where do we start? Now we're wringing our hands going, we don't have enough workers because we have so many homes that want us in to do Bible studies, we can't keep up now. Wow. Can you and just tell us a typical story of getting a 
prayer walking and that leading to being in someone's home. Okay. I, I, I was going to share mom and dad's story, which I've actually shared it before, so you've heard it, but it continues to develop, so it's really cool. But the very first day, mom and dad um, were prayer walking. Actually, dad ended up with my pastor um, who came just to check out. He's not sure what we're doing. He thinks we're a little crazy. So he comes along, and they ask the question, hey, if God could do American life today, what would it be? And it was two uh, middle-aged African-American ladies. It's a cold day in February, so they're dressed up. they got hats pulled down, and they're trying to stay warm. And my dad says, how you guys doing? Well, that's a Yankee term for how y'all doing. But, uh, you know, y'all is plural, but guys means you're guys. And so the ladies got offended and began to cuss my dad and the pastor. <laughs> so my, my dad's just sort of melting, going, and they're, they're dropping the F-bomb and everything you can think of. I mean, it's just pretty blowing my dad away, you know? And so this is his first experience. I'm going, oh, will we survive? But my dad got, he told, went back, told my mom. In the end, these ladies said, listen, um, one said, pray for me that I just make it through the day. Uh, the other one said, my heart hurts, and I don't know why. Would you please pray for me? They're not real deep things, but anyhow, they said, pray for us. So the next week, my mom and dad on Monday, they make a beeline. They go find these ladies, and they begin asking people. Well, they go, and they find this guy sitting on the porch, and his name is, I can't say it here. I just realized. <laughs> um, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> It was Randy, yes. <laughs> so he's on the porch. I was warned what words not to use. And, um, so he's sitting on the porch, and uh, they ask where these ladies live. And he says, well, oh, she lives right over here, Miss Ruth. And so they go over, and they find Miss Ruth, and um, they, uh, they visit with her again and talk with her just again. Say, hey, if God can do a miracle life today, what we can be? How can we pray for you? And, and just build a prayer relationship with her. Well, they also go back to the porch, and there's a group of guys, and they've already about pounded a fifth of whiskey down, and they're pretty stoked right here on the porch. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. Wow. And so he's, he's talking to them, but they, um, good night, what's up with that bird? Um, so they're just totally, but they're to totally open. Randy is totally open to them coming back and sharing stories about Jesus on the porch. And it was just straight away he was willing to let that happen. In the midst of this, another lady comes over who's heard the buzz about these white people in an African-American community praying, and she says, would you pray for my son? And she says, wait a second. So she runs back to her house, brings back a picture, and the picture is of Jesus on the cross and show, you know, nails in a hand, the whole deal. And then it has Psalms 103 where it says, thine enemies are against me. That's all it says. Well, it's, not, it's not even the full passage, but, but the guy's living in fear, obviously. So here he is. And so Stacy gives that picture to my dad, and then dad photographs it, and just she asks him, please pray for my son, Maurice. And so they begin praying for Maurice. On, on the spot, Jeff? They on the spot, right yeah. there, praying for them. And, um, but now, Miss Stacy invites them over to Miss Annie's house, who's her mother. All right, so you got this huge Oikos network together. Miss Annie, they say, Miss Annie, if God could do American life today, what would it be? And if so, could we pray that for you? And she said she needed a stove because she didn't have a stove. There was um, one burner that only worked and nothing else worked and she couldn't cook. And so they said, man, yeah, we'll pray in the name of Jesus. You get a stove. And we're big about praying in the name of Jesus. That's a funny thing. But if you hear our folks pray, 
They all pray, John 14, whatever you ask in the name of Jesus, and God can get glory for it, we will ask for it. Absolutely. So we're very, we're very big in praying in the name of Jesus, the whatevers. And so they pray. Dad goes to church Wednesday night, the home church, and somebody says, hey, I got a stove. Anybody need it? And my dad's like, yeah. So go in. Within a week, <laughs> stove's in the house. They're cooking biscuits for Miss Ann. They go back on Saturday. Miss, Miss, she's cooking biscuits for Mom and Dad. As they're there, Miss Ruth, from the very first day, about breaks down the door, and she's not allowed in Miss Annie's house because of just sort of her just antics, I guess you'd say. But she comes in in tears, crying, and said, please pray for me. I found out why my heart hurts. I have breast cancer. And so they begin praying for her in the name of Jesus. And um, so mom and dad were real anxious to hear what happened. So they go back that Monday, and she was supposed to go have a mysectomy, I think, that Monday morning. And uh, she didn't go. She actually got drunk, and she was still sitting in bed and blew off the, the surgery. Yeah, yeah, it was. A lot of it. A lot of it. She did the same thing the next week. So, my, but in the meantime, my dad's doing the Bible studies on the porch with these guys that are, you know, they're, they're, they're getting toasted at 10 o'clock in the morning, having a good time, but dad's doing the Bible stories with them. So this has happened back to back. Dad changes the story. We're teaching repent and believe. And dad goes, you know what? And this is in our meeting during that first third um, here at the Sundale house. And on a Saturday night, and dad says, you know what? That repent and believe, it's not working. He said, that story's about rich people. He said, they don't get this story. He said, these people aren't rich. So we switched the story to the story of the four people grabbing the paralytic and ripping the roof off of Peter's house and getting the paralytic to the feet of Jesus. Well, that fit better because of the context, because there's a lot of community. Even though there's a lot of mess, there's a lot of sense of community right there in that little area. And so dad went to them and said, hey, what do you learn about God? What do you learn about man? Example to follow, command to obey. And Randy had the idea, and he says, you know what? I, um, we need to make sure Ruth gets to the hospital. So they prayed that day in the name of Jesus that those men sitting there on the porch, they were praying in the name of Jesus. They were going to lift Miss Ruth to the hospital and lower her down through the roof of the hospital, and they were going to get her. And that's what they prayed. And so those men stayed up all night long and didn't let her get drunk. So she goes to the hospital, has the surgery. Now the men say, we're not letting Miss Ruth come back to the neighborhood because if she begins to drink, the alcohol will kill her because of the cancer treatment she's going through with it. She's taking the chemo and the whole deal. And so they don't let her actually come back to the community. So she's staying away. About the th And the same day actually this happens, my dad gets a call from Randy who says, I believe, I believe, I believe. This is when Miss Ruth is having the operation. So his faith has been stimulated because of what has happened. And, and they're the guys who did it. It wasn't mom and dad. They just prayed. And so about three weeks into this, as Miss Ruth is going through, um, she becomes a Christian. Okay? And mom and dad hook up with a new oikos, her um, sister. And they start to connect with a whole other group of folks to share Jesus with. They continue, though, doing the Bible study with Randy. Now, Randy, about... I'd probably say six weeks in the Bible study, he says to my dad one day, he says, he said, I don't know if you know this, but I'm an alcoholic. 
and would you pray, and it was pretty obvious, honestly, but um, he, he said, would you pray that I would have victory over this? And so what began to happen on that mornings at that porch on Monday mornings, these guys who drink and these ladies who drink a lot um, were coming to that porch, and my mom, who's a very timid and shy and not the type of person that's very bold, She's praying in the name of Jesus that alcohol would taste bad to all these people's mouths. And then they're praying also. It was hilarious. They're praying. And, and, and one of the neat things that happened one day is they're praying this. Another lady named Cheryl or Char, um, she comes up. Everybody's praying. They're just, they just, and we just teach them to pray simple. You know, just, you know, in the name of Jesus, make this alcohol taste bad to me, you know, so that I can get freedom. And so this lady comes up and she breaks into the group and her name's Char, Char or Cheryl. And she says, me too, Jesus, me too. And so now here's somebody they haven't been connected with. Well, mom, mom goes on a Saturday night, which I don't know why my mom is going to the street on a Saturday night. She shouldn't be going there. It's, it, it is fairly dangerous. Um, a lot of talk about cutting one another and a lot of, you know, guys out of prison and just, it's, it's, it's not a good place for my mom to go on a Saturday night. Well, she gets down there and there's a big party going on. Well, Char sees my mom, runs over to her and says, would you come to my house? And so she carries my mom right then down to her house and shows her, her house. And she's got a simple little frame house and it's very nice and neat and clean and well kept. And it's funny, she calls my mom a pastor. Um, and she says, well, you know, I can't trust pastors because the last time a pastor told my mom what I did. And I'm not so sure if I can trust you. And then she, she said, can I trust you? She asked my mom several times, can I trust you? And so my mom just said, hey, listen, whenever you're ready to trust me, we'll do whatever you want. She said, but I would love to pray with you and have a Bible study in your home. So Shar's door is just cracked open. And... Um, Am I missing anything from that story? That's, um, that's a pretty good overview of how a house of peace is. And now let me tell you this. Um, Randy and Ruth, and it sounds odd, consider that porch their church. Randy went back to a church, because I think I told you guys somewhere online, about 50% of the people we have come to Christ go back into a traditional church. Randy went back to his traditional church, and the pastor said to him, well, Randy, what do you think? The church burned down 40 years ago? Where have you been? Randy's never been back, you know. So for Randy, church is on that porch, and he invites his friends. It's, it's the other hilarious thing that's happened. It's so funny. The porch used to be where the party happened. Well, they're not allowed to drink on the porch anymore. So, so they sit on the porch and do the Bible study. The other guys who come, they've moved the right up to the edge, but it's not touching. They've moved the picnic table right to the edge. So they're sitting there drinking, having a party, doing the Bible study while Randy and Ruth are on the porch. But it's hilarious to see it on a Monday morning. But, um, it's a wonderful group of guys. I mean, it's the other thing that's happened there with mom and dad is people come because God's answered so many prayers. Uh, and listen, this isn't, this isn't what my mom and dad were like. Um, people come to them, because anybody mom and dad pray for to get a job, they get a job. And so they're known for that. And they know that if mom and dad pray in the name of Jesus, something happens. And so it's amazing people will come to them and just look for them for jobs. Not that they can give them, but they just know, hey, these people pray, God does something, you'll get a job. Um, so... 
I say that to say that's about where all of our folks were. There was nobody here in any one of these things that was confident and competent or felt good enough just to walk into a home. But that's just sort of the way it's happened. And so we've done a lot with prayer walking. And that, that word, um, I, I think it comes from Bruce Wilkerson maybe, his book, um, Born for This. If God can do a miracle life today, what would it be? And if so, can I pray it for you? And then just pray right there. It has opened so many doors for us. Um, Kevin, I think I shared with you guys. Where's Kevin? Right here, the foster family. He's at Walmart, and he's, he just starts sharing his story with some lady at Walmart and then asks her, hey, would you be willing to have a Bible study in your home? And boom, Kevin's in the home that quick. And, and, and listen, we're, we hear the same things I hear. It doesn't happen that way in Australia. It doesn't happen that way in America either. I mean, that's the, that, you ask an average person in a church, they say that's not possible. So it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying it's not. Another thing that came out of our house, I was on a motor, I love to ride motorcycles, so I was out on a Harley one day with a guy, and we ride up the mountains, and we stop up in the mountains, and it's just beautiful. Man, oh, look at, man, isn't that amazing? Look at God's creation, and um, so we're going, and I'm planning on sharing with Scott. We get down, get down to have Sonic, have a burger, and I start to share my story with Scott, and I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to say, I didn't even got through my testimony. I said, Scott, can I have a Bible study at your home? And he said, yeah, sure. Why not? And he's, you know, he's, he's sleeved. He's on drugs. Um, he's lost everything. He had a six-figure salary, and he's lost everything to drugs. He's selling stuff out of his house to pay for his drug addiction. And he, so he's not the natural guy that I'm going to connect with. I mean, as far as you wouldn't, you know, it's just not quite in my realm, you know? He's not going to pass the test of a suitable person to host a hungry Yeah, no, he definitely would not. He would not. And, and so I was in shock. And so we've been, so Scott's got, Scott became a Christian six weeks ago, maybe? In August? Okay, yeah, it's gone. In August, yeah. In August he became a Christian. So we've had a Bible study there since. And he's living with his girlfriend, and so we're going through the Bible study week by week. And um, Anyhow, it's just, I, I, it's so easy. Yes, my wife wants to add. Yeah, if I could just say something. Because I was one of those that was doubtful. It's not going to work in America. But um, I think if you just pray, I mean, God's going to show up. We just meet people on the street and get a conversation going with them that way. Um, but there's this guy sitting on his porch, and he just called out to us and said, Hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs> said, well, we're praying over the community for God's blessing, and hey, Lord. is there anything that we can pray for you for? And so he invited us up onto his porch, and so we were talking to him there about what we were praying and things and his prayer requests and where he was. And then um, his mom came out and said, well, do you guys want some tea or lemonade? I mean, classic Luke 10. If they offer you something, you stay there and you eat. And so we took the lemonade and the tea and migrated into the dining room table. And then um, the neighbor across the street saw us go into this house, so he wanted to come over and see what was going on. <laughs> so the neighbors started trickling in around the dining room. It was I just walked away going, okay, okay. <laughs> well, it was 
the neighbor, Tracy, is not a believer. We talked to Tracy. He claims he's the roughest guy in the county. He looked pretty rough. Um, but he's definitely up there in the rough category as far as what he's done. But Tracy took us door to door and he said, I want you to go pray with this person. They, have, they need a bone marrow transplant. I want you to pray with this. And he took us door to door to door telling us how to pray for people. And, and now, I'll, I'll be honest, we still haven't gotten into that home as far as to do a Bible study, but I was there with Miss Mark and Miss Pat recently, and I was asking Mark how it was going, and, and I, he saw me the week before pray for Tracy, and him and they have a little tiff going on, and they call the police on one another and that kind of stuff. And um, so, so I was asking um, Mark how it was going, and he said, he says, you know, I finally decided to do what you guys are doing. He said, I started praying in the name of Jesus. I said, are you serious? Tell me so. And he said, he said, yeah. He said, you know, Tracy's got 25 junk cars in his front yard, and uh, they're buried in grass about yay deep. He said, I started praying in the name of Jesus for him to remove them. He said, they got rid of 12 cars last week. <laughs> and he said, then I started praying that Tracy would paint his house. And he says, you know, Tracy was painting his house. He said, prayer works. <laughs> and um, so... And then I, I asked, I said, well, what about Miss Pat? I said, you know, when we came, Miss Pat couldn't walk. And I said, Miss Pat, I said, I see her going up to exercise three days a week at the hospital. I said, we've been praying for Miss Pat in the name of Jesus, and Miss Pat's not a believer, but we've been praying in the name of Jesus that God would heal her. And I said, you need to tell her what God's done in her life. And he said, you know, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> and now we haven't gotten in that, but I, have, I meet them at least once a week or every other week I go and pray with them. It takes 10 minutes out of my day to go spend time and pray with them. But as long, once they let me pray, I keep bugging them. I don't go into the home until they let me in. But, you know, someday, that may be, when God changes the soil, we'll get in that home. And then she has five grandchildren who are unchurched, never been to church in her life. So there's, it's waiting. i just got to be patient when God brings it about. So this is our much more pure stream of just, we started from scratch um, let me, I'm just going to try. We have 19 baptisms. We have, um, one, two, three. We've started three churches, house church type things in this stream. Um, we've got a lot of houses of peace where we're just sort of waiting. You know, it's just when God, in His timing, works things out. I think Scott and Jerry Ann's house will eventually be a house church down the road. We're not far from that with them. Um, we have this one we actually I shared with you guys yesterday. Matt is here. Uh, Matt's our only in this stream where we're actually seeing third generation reproduction. We haven't gotten to the point of seeing church yet at third generation, but we're not far. It's getting, getting close. We have had, this is something I didn't point out yesterday, but you'll see it up here. If there's an X on it, it's died. And um, so here's, here's a situation in the workplace where they were doing a C for training or disciple cycle in the workplace and you know the workplace got shut down and but now in Anthony's house um, they're not Christians yet but it's not far you know so we've we've had a lot of we've had a lot of deaths also where groups we started have died and um, and I'll show you one here this is a I was doing a training in a business location. And one thing I found is business people are wonderful people to train. It's probably my favorite group of people to train because they seem to be doers. Um, and when I say business people, just they're, they don't have to be business owners, but they're working type people. They, they want to do something. Um, so we were doing this training here, 
But one of the guys was a pastor of First Baptist Spindale. So he comes and he begins training some people in his church. And Andy's very um, organic. He's very, he's, a, he's very intuitive. He's just uh, very Holy Spirit-led. And uh, so Andy doesn't do everything the way I do it. And he'll make it clear he doesn't. He, he, very, he, he diverges very quickly on things, but he gets it done. Um, it, I think it's hurting him a little generationally, but that remains to be seen. He's got third-generation believers. Um, but up in the hotel... They got into a hotel because we got a lot of transient folks and folks that have no place to live, so they live in a hotel. And so the hotel actually, uh, they would rent rooms and they were doing churches and they were having 18 to 25 people in these little house churches. And they were tithing, baptized. They baptized, I think he said, 47 people at this hotel. Wow. Um, now here's the sad thing. Out of that, he'll tell you you got four disciples. Um, because it's a transient community, a lot of people come and go very rapidly and quickly. But we went, we started in room 114, and it died. Um, he actually went to prison. But the guy that was there, he was the missionary. I was the location, that's all. Well, that's what we moved to 113. But in 114, he brought a guy named Steve, and Steve was addicted to crack cocaine. Well, that night, they were just praying, and the Holy Spirit was just really moving in an incredible way and Steve um, they just for some reason felt led to pray for him and they just prayed in the name of Jesus that he would be healed of crack cocaine and he was instantly it was, it was one of those few times most of the time I know people are going to and it's not been easy but this is one of those rare occasions where Steve was just boom he walked away that night never been back uh, he's been a believer about six months seven months now um, so they moved the house church here, and this was actually Steve's house, Steve's room here. So they're, they're coming here. Um, this one, they're tithing. Well, tithing was, has been a huge headache um, because what happened is that the treasurer, which we told them to do this. I mean, we're the ones that caused this. So we're telling the treasurer to hold the money. Well, then they have all kind of needy people coming in who need money. And so they're harassing a the treasure. The treasure's really nice. Well, here, you know, take some. And she, they're just giving, and she did it out of a good, very good heart. But then some people, you know, wife's telling me, get, get shut up so you can do a break. Um, there, some of the people went out and actually bought drugs with it. And, um, you know, and so, um, but I'm telling you the truth so you know that uh, Corinth still happens today. Um, just be prepared. Um, so because of that, this group splits off. I can't say this was a good split. This was a bad split. So another house group starts over here. It still exists. It's still going on. I wouldn't say it's the most healthy. But now they move to Steve's room. And now Steve gets a job, and Steve moves over to Hudlow. And now Steve's got several house churches in Hudlow. He's living in a trailer. Um, he's clean, got a good job. Uh, last time I knew, he led seven people to Christ, and one of his guys had led somebody to Christ. And um, he's a, he cuts trees down. I don't know what you... Uh, he works for a... Uh, yeah, I don't remember. can't think of the company, but yeah. So, but really good guy, instantaneously healed. He moved into the same apartment. I mean the same... It's a trailer park. You know the little trailers, mm -hmm. the long things? And so he moved in this trailer park with a guy named Rick. Rick also was a crack addict. Um, got out of prison, got saved. And Rick's a rock and roll guy. 
So he goes out into his, and this is totally different. Like I said, this, this is our Holy Spirit uh, sort of um, our group at First Baptist Spindale, which really doesn't fit if you, if you understood Southern culture. Um, so he goes out, and his band gets in his trailer park, and they just start, da, na, 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 na. so they're playing rock and roll music. And a big crowd comes up, and then he preaches the gospel, and people get saved. <laughs> so he's not doing it my way. I, but because of what he's doing, the trailer park owner loves what he's doing. Gives Rick a trailer. All Rick has to do is pay the utilities. So now their house church meets in a trailer. So they sort of have a physical, you know, building. Out of that, some Hispanics came who happened to like Leonard Skinner. So they were playing Leonard Skinner one night, and the Hispanics came, and they now are doing a Bible study in a Hispanic home. So let me just, I'm just saying, entry strategies are quite varied <laughs> as to um, how things can happen. Um, they have about six house churches. But they probably, uh, they sad, they probably, I mean, I, I, it's not sad, it's, it's amazing. They probably baptized well over 80 people. But, um, but they, and, and now here's an interesting thing. This is a traditional Baptist church, white columns, um, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. But they have no problem with these being house churches that never, ever come to the building. Or if they come to the building, it's fine. It's a, it's a, it's a both and. And that's, that's not normal in our area, but it's, it's getting a little more normal. So it, I think it's exciting because I think this brings a little hope. This was a dead, pretty well get to be a dead Baptist church. So it was down to a handful of people. It's about tripled in size now. What's the average size of these groups and do they vary according to socioeconomics? Well, the, the, it's crazy. The hotel groups are 18 to 25 people. I would say more on average we're four to six for six to eight. So the, the, it seems to be the areas that actually lower socioeconomic actually have bigger groups than the others. I, you know, I, I don't really know how to explain that. Um, uh, another interesting one that came out of this is, um, well, there's two. We trained a guy in Nashville. I, I drove, met halfway in Nashville. He was a former missionary that I knew well. And I just, one of the things that we've done in the material is we've added something called the seven stories of hope. So when you find a house of peace, um, people were sort of struggling with what do you do with the gospel, sort of like you were sharing, you know, trying to really seal that. So what we did is we set up the seven stories of hope that's based on the gospel. So now when you get in, you spend seven weeks going through the gospel and, you know, in that time they make a decision. So this guy helped me pull that together. Well, what he was, he'd never heard of the, he was already trying to invite people to his home. And people get saved, and, but they would stop coming to his home. And, and, and this is the important thing about a house of peace is, if they have to come to my home, who's responsible for them coming to my home? Not technically. They are. Because they have to get... Their hind ends up and get there, right? Now, if I'm going to their home, who's got to make sure I'm there? You are, you are. I do. I mean, they might disappear on me, but most of the time, if I'm responsible and I'm the one that's there and I, and I stay at it for six to seven solid weeks, I'll get in the home. So he switched and began to do this. So he went out to Nashville in a middle-class neighborhood, 
And he just asked people, can I have a Bible study in your home? And they said yes. He got into five homes, just boom, like that. And then uh, three weeks later, a whole family had come to Christ, gave their life to Christ, and then they were baptizing them. But he called me back, and he said, wow, that was so easy. He said, I was trying to bring everybody. And he said, but once you're in the home, it's all dependent on me just being faithful to go. And it took the pressure off of everything. And then so he was just amazed at how simple it was to get into a house of peace. Jeff, when you ask, can we have a Bible study in your house, is there any expectation on the person to grab others to come to that Bible study? Or you just say, oh, I'll come and I'll share it with you and anyone else? Just, the, yeah, whoever they want to bring. So what's the, what's the picture you cast to them? Well, just we're coming at this time. They're going to have to give up an hour and a half of their time. We're going to follow the one-third, one-third, one-third. And we're going to just talk about who is Jesus. So the seven stories of hope, the only, only thing we really want to do is talk about Jesus. We, I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about church. I don't want to talk about religion. I'm not going to pick on what you believe, anything. We just sort of assure them up front. We're just going to do a Bible study and talk about Jesus. And we'll describe how it's a self. We, and the other thing is on the pre-evangelism discipleship and the discipleship, we still use what do you learn about God, what do you learn about man, sin to avoid, example, follow, command, obey. So even so, when we hit discipleship, our pre-evangelism discipleship is the same as our discipleship. We don't change the program at all on that. Jeff, I think what, what we'll do is take uh, a break now. All right. And then come back. Uh, it's quarter to 11. Yeah, we'll take a break and, and, and come back and continue right. on. Is that okay? Yeah. Good. My wife's been back there for 10 minutes going, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, he just stopped me. Was that good stuff or not? Yeah. yeah. And there's more to come after the break.